Good morning. Do you know one of the first things that Adam and, De- Adam and Eve did after they ate the forbidden fruit? What did they do? They hid. That's right. Oh, they first made some loincloths out of some, you know, fig leaves. But the thing that they did most of all was hide. Now let that sink in for a moment. God started to walk into the neighborhood, so to speak, to walk through the garden. And their natural instinct now was not to run to God, but to hide from him. I don't know if they hid behind a tree. I don't know if they hid behind a bush, maybe a big shrubbery. But the fact of the matter is they did not want to be found out. They wanted to hide from the only one who had ever been good to them. They wanted to hide their nakedness, but they were maybe afraid that God was going to see them and reject them. Maybe he was going to uh, rebuke them and and, um, mete out that punishment right away. But the key thing is, is that they hid. They were afraid of God. Now, it's thousands of years later. It's not that many thousands, 6,000 years later or so. And here we are. And men and women are still trying to hide from God. But not only do we hide from God because we're ashamed and we're afraid of him, we've also now started to be afraid of one another. We hide from one another. Uh, We don't hide behind trees and shrubs and and plants, but we hide from one another, from our from each other through our, our, our mask, our, our posing, our imaging, the image that we try to project to people of who we really are. Because deep down inside, we're actually afraid that if we're really honest with who we are, we're going to be rejected. And so there are a lot of people in our world today that not only hide from God, they, they've started to hide from one another. So we tend to wear a lot of masks. We pretend a lot because we... Just like Adam and Eve, we don't want to be found out. But when we come to church or work or or other social places and someone asks, how you doing? We really don't want to tell people how we're doing. And so what do we say? We're fine. We're great. We're wonderful. But inside, we're not great. Inside, we're not fine. Inside, we're not wonderful. We're struggling. We're struggling with self-doubt. Maybe we're struggling with self-pity. Maybe we're struggling with self-control. Maybe we have an issue that's going on in our marriage and we're afraid to tell anybody about it. We're afraid that if you found out how I really was, you wouldn't like me anymore. And so we hide. We hide. Whether it's a marital problem, a financial problem, parenting problem, So we're not honest with each other anymore. And then, let's take it the third step. Not honest with God. We're not honest with other people. Sometimes we're not even honest with ourselves, are we? In fact, truth be told, we're still a lot like Adam and Eve. We sew loincloths on and we're hiding. And we're not honest with anybody, including ourselves. But... There's good news, though. As new creations in Christ, we have been set free from what other people think of us. We have been set free because God says that he loves us. We have been set free from the the sin that used to hold us into bondage and, and, and that we are afraid of and ashamed of and felt guilty of. We've been set free. 
and being honest and being real and being authentic actually frees us up from wearing masks. It frees us up from posing, from hiding. We can and we must be honest with one another. We have to be. Last week we talked about how can we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ if we aren't honest with one another. And a lot of times when we ask someone, how are you doing, and they say fine, what they really mean is an acronym. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. That's fine. That's how most people, when they say, hey, how you doing? I want to talk about my marriage. I want to tell you about the fight I'm having with my kids. I want to tell you about my financial struggles. I don't want to tell you about my self-worth, my self-esteem. I don't want to tell you about how I feel sorry for myself. I don't want to tell you how critical I am towards other people because I like to tear other people down to build myself up. No, I don't want to share any of that with you because you might not like me anymore. And so I'm going to tell you I'm fine. We're not honest with one another, but... When we're in Christ, we have to be. We have to be honest with one another. We have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to be honest with God. So we have to learn to stop hiding. Hiding behind masks, hiding behind images and words. And when we're not honest with ourselves and we're wearing masks all the time, we are normally called a hypocrite. One of the major reasons why people don't want to come to church is because they say the church is filled with hypocrites. Do we wear masks? Well, let's, let, let's look at this definition because the word hypocrite was used 2,000 years ago by the Greek, but it, it meant someone that wore a mask. In fact, let's look at the definition. The Greek word hypocrites, and it's just transliterated. That's a fancy way of saying they took an English letter, and substituted it for the Greek letter. And we created a new word in the English language called hypocrite, transliterated from hypocrites. And it was used to describe, look at this, somebody on the stage, an actor, who performed behind a mask. And the basic definition of hypocrisy is pretending to be something that you are not. One who wears a mask to hide their true self. In our text today, we're going to talk about being honest and authentic and genuine. We're going to be honest with God, we're going to be honest with ourselves, and we're going to be honest with each other. It's going to be found, our passage is found in James. So you have your Bibles with you, turn to James, and if you can't find James because it's a little small book in the New Testament, if you can find Hebrews, you've found James. It's the next book. And James chapter 1 begins very uh, talking about trials. Consider all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith. And so the first half of James 1 talks about trials that are on the outside of our lives. Do any of you have trials going on right now on the outside of your lives? And you all said, Yes, we do. But then the second half talks about temptations from the inside. And then they kind of narrow, James, the writer, narrows it down. And our biggest temptation is to be fake. One of our biggest temptations is to be dishonest, to be a hypocrite, to wear a mask, to pretend that you are someone 
that you're not. So you have your Bibles open to James chapter 1. We're going to pick it up at verse 22, and it says this. I'm reading it out of the ESV. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. Verse 25, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the word of God, basically, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So when it comes to hiding and wearing masks or not wearing masks, when it comes to being honest with God, yourself, and others, Basically, the, the text talks about three different kinds of people. and so, so I've asked three different people to come up on stage to help me demonstrate, actually, this, this, this passage. So uh, I'm going to ask that uh, uh, Phil, Carol, are you here? Oh, Phil's here. Will you, will you come stand about right here? And Steve Rawlings, are you here? Would, would you come and stand about right here? And uh, Dennis, would you come and stand just about right here? And... Uh, I want to introduce you to these guys. This, this is Obadiah. Can you say hi to Obadiah? This is Zechariah. Can you say hi to Zechariah? This is Nebuchadnezzar. I thought he was taller, but yeah. He does have a beard, though, and he looks handsome. So this is good. You can just call him Nebi, okay? Now, Obadiah comes along, and according to the passage, he has a mirror. The mirror is the Word of God. And Obadiah, take the mirror, and I'm going to ask you, do, do you see any, any blemishes in, in your character defects? Yeah, you do. Uh, would, would you like me to, to help you work with those? By all means. Okay, I've got my Mary Kay bag. And I'm going to put a little concealer on you because I don't know if you can see from here, but his blemish is right on the end of his nose. And everybody can see that he has some issues. It may be an anger issue. It may be a pornography issue. It may be love. I don't know, but he knows. He's been looking in that mirror and he sees his issue. So he's asked for some help from the Lord to cover it up, to work on it, to deal with it. And so we're going to forego the Mary Kay concealer and we're just going to put a good old bandage right over your nose can we do that now would you feel a little embarrassed going to work with a big old bandage on your nose you've done worse okay now now that's that's good he's a guy that's looked in the mirror and he sees something in his character defects and he says jesus help me now we're going to talk to Zachariah. Zachariah, you get to look at the same mirror. Do you, do you see any blemishes or defects? 
Yeah, would you, would you, I got another Band-Aid here. I can put it on. Would you like to do that? <laughs> well, no, I can put a Band-Aid on. How, how do you normally handle your character defects? Hide it. You hide it. How do you hide it? A mask. Is, is this the mask you normally wear? Oh, you mean, wait a second, you mean you pretend to be stony? Um, do you wear that mask at home? No. Oh, so, so you're yourself at home. When you come through the door, you want people to like you? You don't want them to know that Nothing's wrong in your life, so you, you put on Stoney's face. Well, that's pretty sweet. Not really, though, because hold up the mirror. Can, can you see your character defects through your mask? Uh, you, you've got some issues, huh? All right, well, you can put the mask down, you hypocrite. And we can move over to Nebby. Nebby, can, can, can you see your character defects? You can't. Look closely. You can see a little bit of it. Okay. Yeah, you can. Okay, can, can I put a Band-Aid on you? You don't need it? Oh. When he was looking in the mirror, he saw his defect. But when he stopped looking in the mirror, he says, I don't have any defect. Out of sight, out of mind. Can't see it, so it must not exist. So he's pretty good, isn't he? Not. According to our text, he's the kind of guy that looks in the mirror, he sees the blemish, and then puts the mirror down, and now he doesn't even know to wear a mask. He doesn't even know to put some medicine on it. He doesn't even know to ask Jesus into it. And he's going to go about his life deluded. Can you give a nice round of applause for our Obadiah, Zechariah, and Nebi? These three traits, being honest with yourself and honest with God and honest with others, they can be seen in our text today. And how we respond to the Word of God, how we look in the mirror, determines whether we are Obadiah, Zechariah, or Nebuchadnezzar. Go back to the text. We're going to unpack this for us. Look at verse 22 again says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's the very first fill in the blank. You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to hear the word of God and you have to make a decision whether you're going to be a doer or just a listener. You have to be honest with yourself. Don't see yourself in rose-colored glasses. Don't compare yourself to your neighbor. Don't compare yourself to your spouse. But you take a hard, honest look at your character, who you are, in the light of God's Word. And then Scripture says, be, which is very interesting because be is a verb, be doers of the Word. In other words, your life should be characterized, heart, mind, soul, strength, by being a doer of the Word, the whole personality. In other words, you can have an argument. Jeremy, have you ever had an argument? Yeah. 
Or you can be, be, be argumentative. Jerry, are you, I mean, uh, uh, Jeremy, are you argumentative? Oh, well, uh, hey, he's, he's, he's honest. Amen. But there's a difference between being in an argument and being argumentative. There's a difference from doing religious things and really being a doer of the word. And that's really interesting. It says not only are we supposed to be honest with ourselves and our character defects and all of that, and sometimes we're ashamed and we have this big old thing on the end of our character and we hide it, and that's okay if, if it's a Band-Aid, if it's, there's medicine, if we've asked Jesus. We're not denying it. We're just, like, ashamed of it. Some of you have anger issues. Some of you have control issues. Some of you have some other issues, and you're not proud of it. And you're going to the Lord because you see it. Every time you look in the mirror, you go, oh, I see that, def- that defect. Oh, Jesus, let me have victory in that. And, and you're asking to him to come into your 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 heart and and put that salve on it and and heal up because after a while the blemish is going to have victory or the sin is going to be conquered and Obadiah gets to take the band-aid off or you can just be merely hearers in the word notice that some of them will say hearers only the ESV says hearers only some of your texts will say merely hearers that's the difference between listening and hearing how many of you listen to your wives men if you need a prompting this is a good time to raise your hand (laughs) how many of you listen to your wives or let's be real how many of you just are hearing them Is there a difference between hearing and listening? It's really interesting. John MacArthur says this word for hearer. We get the word audit from when we audit a class in college. What's required of you when you audit a class? Do you have to take a test? Nope. Got to do any assignments? Nope. You have to be tested on the knowledge that you've been presented? Nope. All you do is have to show up. And here, that's the word audit comes from. Are you just auditing church? Do you just come and sit and, and hear? Or are you listening? It's interesting that the word from here to listening to learner. Do you know that the biblical word for learner is disciple? A disciple is one who hears listens, and actually does. That's what a disciple is. That is just, that is just awesome. Well, let's go back to the text. For anyone is a hearer of the word, and for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Here's the second fill in the blank. Not only do you got to be honest with yourself, you got to be honest with God. You got to be honest with God. When you look at the law of liberty, when you look at, at, at the Word of God, the Word of God exposes our sin. 
and our character defects. And, and the faithful hearer of the word doesn't just study the mirror, he studies the reflection in the mirror. And when we look at the word of God, not only do we see our character defects, and that's bad, but it's good, if you know what I mean. It's, it's bad that we see it, but it's good because now we know it's there and we're going to work on it with the Holy Spirit. But not only do when we look at the word of God, we see what we're becoming. And we see Jesus, and we see his beauty, and we see his glory, and we see that he is a warrior, and we see that he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he is making us to be just like him. And that's exciting. And so although sometimes we look at the word and we're confronted with our character defects, we're also looking straight at the image of Jesus and how he loved us and went to the cross for us and bled for us because he says, I love you. And so the word, it helps us where we need help. Sometimes it teaches us, sometimes it trains us, sometimes it rebukes us, and sometimes it corrects us. But man, is it powerful. And it's really interesting that the, the author, James, he uses two different words for the word look. Go back to verse 23 for a moment. Verse 23 says this. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Now this word look means this. They, they didn't have mirrors like we have mirrors today. They had polished metal. And almost, you could almost take up uh, this offering tray and, and it was shiny enough. And, and I don't know how many of you guys shave in the shower. Um, women probably do, but I'm talking about us men. And you're trying to shave in the shower and you're looking at the reflection of the aluminum. Okay, I'm alone. Um, uh, that's okay. But that's how their mirrors were. And, and you had to kind of gaze at it. And, and that word means to gaze. It means to really look at it like this and try to figure out the image. But the other word for look is even more interesting. It says the guy that looks into the word, he uses a word that means he stoops over as if he's looking at something on the ground and he tries to figure out what it means so that he can do something about it. It carries the idea of he's looking and he's being con con contemplative and trying to figure out how and what he's looking at means to him. Two different words. One just means to look to see your image. The other one says, look, I'm looking deeper. I'm looking to see what needs to be done. And it's like the difference between reading and studying. Reading is one thing. Studying is something else. Go back to verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious, let's just stop there. The word religious means outward appearance. Today, the word religious has kind of a negative connotation, and he's kind of using it here. It just means all the externals. You go to church, you tithe, you pray, you go through all the actions, you go to the Christmas Eve service, you go to the Easter service, you are busy doing activities, external activities. Paul uses this word to describe how he was when he was before Christ. He was very religious. 
But the New Testament uses a completely different word to talk about the heart worshiping God. It uses several words, but it's not this word. A person who does religious things but doesn't have his heart engaged in it, according to this text, his religion is worthless. You can come to church all you want. You can memorize all the scripture you want. You can give all the money you want. But if your heart's not engaged, then all it is is religious activity. Outwardly religious, but not from the heart. In fact, the tongue reveals the heart. This is what Jesus said to some Pharisees. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its tree bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And then he calls them a brood of vipers. These people that are like Nebuchadnezzar, they can't even see the sin in their life. And he says this, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can be all religious, but if it's not in your heart, your religion is a sham. Religion that does not transform the heart, and thereby the tongue, is worthless in God's sight. So let's go to verse 27 then. 27 says this, Religion that is right or pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We have to be honest with those around us. That's the last fill in the blank. You have to be honest with others. There are a lot of people in the Bible that wore masks, disguises, posed, pretenders, How about Jacob dressing up like his brother? I love this one. A lot of times Leah gets off the hook, but think about it. She had to go through the entire wedding ceremony knowing she was pretending to be Rachel. She was posing. Of course, Jacob wakes up the next morning and has married the wrong woman. And boy, is he mad. I'd be mad, wouldn't you? But you never think about Leah having culpability in it, that she played along with it as well with dad. They schemed together. She disguised herself. How about the Gibeonites pretending to live far away so Joshua would make a treaty with them? Or how about when David, King David, acts like he's crazy and insane and starts drooling all over the place when he's in the Philistine city? Pretending to be others so that they'll be accepted. Isn't that odd? Pretending to be someone else so that you'll be accepted. But the word said this, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is to serve those who need love and compassion. Because after all, didn't Jesus say, by this all men will know that you are my learners, not hearers, learners, disciples, that you have love for one another. How can we love one another without honesty? How can we have love and compassion if we all wear a mask, if we all pretend, we all pose that there's nothing wrong? And then it's really interesting, this word visit that's in our text. It says, this is pure religion, undefiled religion before God, to visit orphans. It doesn't mean that you're going to go make a house call and go visit them and chat and have a cup of coffee. Actual word, we get the word overseer. The word bishop comes from this word. It means that you are so involved in helping 
them have their needs met. That's what it means to visit. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew when he was talking about the separation of the sheep and the goats? And he said, I was sick and you came and visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. But that word visit is this word oversee that we are involved in each other's lives because we care about one another. Doing religion or real religion means you're honest with yourself and with God and others. So let's look at Obadiah, Zechariah, and, and Nebuchadnezzar again. Obadiah was a guy that looked in the Word and saw his defects and he put some medicine on him, and he put a Band-Aid over his face. Now, some people say, well, that's a hypocritical. No, it's not hypocritical. When you know you have a character defect, and you're trying at home, at work, at church, everywhere you go, you know it's there, and you're trying to work on it, and you've invited God into it, you're asking for the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and strength to have victory in that sin, that's not being a hypocrite. You're just being honest. And that is a good thing. Because when we're honest, we're set free. I have to worry about what you think. I have to worry about what God thinks. And God says he wants to touch me, heal me, make me better, make me whole. Let's go for it, God. And so Obadiah was the guy that heard the word, saw the word, saw what he was like, saw the beauty of Christ and said, that's what I want. Give me more. I'm willing to go to work tomorrow with a big bandage on my nose. The second guy, Zechariah, well, he looked into the mirror and he saw the exact same things that Obadiah did, but he said, nah, I'm not going to walk around with a big band-aid on my nose. I'm going to pretend to be somebody else. And so he comes to church and boy, look at how good he is. He's just like Stoney. As soon as he gets home, he throws the mask away and he's the real deal at home and his kids, his kids watch him, his wife watches him. He says, I don't want to have anything to do with your dishonor. People, children, walk away from the Lord because they have hypocritical parents. It's serious stuff, isn't it? Pretending who they're going to be by who their audience is. You know, the, Obadiah was like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. This guy in the middle, he's the guy that built his house upon the sand. They pretend to be another people. Oh, they know they're flawed, but they'd rather deal with it with whatever reason it is by hiding. So they lie to God and they lie to others and they begin to lie to themselves until they begin to believe their lies. They justify, catch that word, they justify their behavior. We call them two-faced. They begin to delude themselves to the point that they actually delude their own heart. Proverbs 4 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Uh, Another version says it this way, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Wow. 
How about the third guy, Nebuchadnezzar? He's self-deceived. He looks in the mirror. Oh, he comes to church. He's religious. He goes through all the motions. He comes to church and he hears the sermon and he kind of identifies some character defects in his own life. He sees the beauty of Christ. But by noontime, after he's left the door of the building, he's checked it off his list. He can't even remember what's wrong with him. He can't even remember the beauty of Christ. He just goes about his own business. Not only is he not conscious of being a hypocrite, he's just blind. He's just, I don't know, guy doesn't even build a house. The first guy builds it on a rock. The second guy builds it on sand. This guy doesn't even try to build a house because after he stops looking in the mirror, he says, there's nothing wrong with me. I have no character defects. Why? Because they go to church, they go through the motions, they do all the moral things, but they've deceived themselves. You know, Scripture says there are three kinds of people. Those who are saved, those who are lost, and those who are lost but think they're saved. Wow. Because they look in the Word of God and they only hear it. They don't listen, they don't obey, they close the book, and they think they're okay because they do religious things. You could say it this way, we have somebody that's hot, somebody that's cold, and somebody that's lukewarm. And Jesus said, I will spit you, he actually says vomit in the original language, those that are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You so make me so sick. Wow. Is it important that we're honest? I'm telling you, it's more important. That's why it's one of our core values here at our church. Authenticity frees up people. Because when you can be honest with God, honest with yourself, you get to start being honest with other people. And suddenly you, you, you start learning, you start growing, you start having victory in your life. Core value number, the, the last fill in the blank is authenticity frees people up. It frees you up when you're honest with him, honest with yourself. And then you start really being religious because your heart's right and you're really having love and compassion and being unstained by the world and suddenly people will glorify God because of the way you live. When they see you, they see you like they see Jesus. They smell Christ on you. That's just a beautiful thing. See, the Bible sets us free from the bondage of sin or what we call around here stinking thinking sets us free from dysfunction. When you realize your worth comes from God, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You don't have to be afraid to share that, yeah, I had a... Would you be okay with it if I had a fight with Tammy on Saturday night that lasted from 11 a.m. to 4 a.m. Sunday morning and I came up to the pulpit and I said, I am in no mood or condition to preach. Would you be okay with it? I hope you would say, yeah, because I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to hide behind a veneer. I'm not going to pose because I want victory in my life. Do you want victory in your life?
Do you want to be changed into the man or woman that you've been called to be? The only way that I know how to do that is through this. You look at the Word. It is a mirror. You ask the Holy Spirit, help me with my character defects. I want to be just like Jesus. And do you know He is faithful and He is just and He is righteous and He comes because His greatest will and desire for you is for you to look look just like Jesus. Here's the last slide. Doing doesn't mean activities, not in this context. Doing means allowing the Word to change your will through submission and obedience. And here's the beautiful part. It creates you to be a new creation. Honest with God, honest with self, honest with others. That's why it's a core value in our church. How many people today are wearing Band-Aids on your nose? I hope you are. I hope you've looked in the mirror and you saw a character defect. I don't know what it is. You do. The Word will tell you. Good for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. The Word will tell you. Allowing God to change you from the inside out. God, come, help me. Or how many today are wearing masks? Who you are in this chair is not the person who you are tomorrow morning. You are on a very slippery slope, my friend. Pretending to be someone on Sunday around church people. But at home, the real you comes out. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to deal with it. You just got to deal with it. Or maybe you're like Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe there are some here today that they, they read the Word and they, they, they may see a little bit of the mirror and then they close the book and they're auditing church. They're auditing the Bible. They're not really there to, to hear, to listen, to learn, to become a disciple. They're, they're just going through their religion, a religious activity, and they close the book. You know, Scripture says this, the bird in a parable of Jesus. A bird comes along and snatches the seed that has been sown on the path that's been beaten down. And then he says, Satan is the one that steals the seed. But there's good news. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, has the power, the Gospel has the power to break up the hardest heart. But you have to not just look at the Word, you have to look at the Word. And there's good news for anyone that can look in the mirror and say, Jesus, help me. Help me change. Help me be like you. It begins with the decision to stop being a hypocrite to stop being self-deluded and to be honest with God, honest with yourself, and honest with others. And then your life's going to explode. The joy comes. The joy comes. I'm asking you to stand and make a decision to be honest. In a moment, you're going to be invited to the Lord's Supper. And the only thing he asks is that you come honestly. Honestly to look at him and what he did. To celebrate him. 
but to come honestly with yourself because he wants to touch you and heal you and change you. But he is such a gentleman, he waits until your submission. He waits until you give him permission. Come to the table honestly. Please be seated.